Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. He lived in my neighborhood about a, a block and a half from my house. For a 13-year-old, he wasn't a particularly big guy, wasn't particularly mus- muscular, but he had kind of a permanent sneer in his face, and he talked really tough, and he had this weird look in his eye. Mike King, the neighborhood bully. We heard the rumors about him, how he had chased a kid down the, down the street for several blocks, about the property he'd vandalized, about the, the bigger kid that he had beat up. My, my friends and I had an understanding about Mike King. You wouldn't ride your bike past his house for fear he might be on the porch and see you and call you over. You'd pedal a couple blocks out of your way to avoid him. If you were on the sidewalk and he was on your side of the street coming your direction, you'd, you'd cross over to the other side like you were looking for something over there. And if he approached you, you, you kind of avoided making eye contact, again, the, the weird eyes, and you'd speak extra respectfully to him and hope, hope that he would kind of lose interest in you. You don't challenge the bully not with Mike King or or any other bully. Which makes what the Apostle has written in this passage, 1 Corinthians 15, seem as though it's a bit ill-advised. Like he's maybe stepping over a line that he shouldn't step over. The Apostle is speaking to death to Mr. Death and saying, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? I mean, why do that? Why not kind of pedal a couple blocks out of the way to avoid the bully? Why not just keep your voice low and don't speak to Mr. Death at all? Why challenge him? Why taunt him? Well, the reason why is today. Christ Jesus, our Lord, has defeated death. In the words of the apostle, death has been swallowed up in the victory that Christ won that that first Easter Sunday. So now you and I can not only speak about death differently than we would have otherwise, we can actually speak right to his face and say what what essentially is the Easter taunt, the Easter song of those who are the winners in Christ. Not that this connects real easily to our typical experiences with death, because death is... Kind of the worst of bullies. The worst of bullies. Maybe you first felt the sting of death when you were a child and, and grandpa died. Or as you're growing up, death hits you right in the solar plexus by, 
by taking a, a friend from school or a, or a relative of yours that you loved. And then, of course, it continues to happen. Mr. Death takes, seemingly takes, your sister, your spouse, your best friend in all the world. And it seems like he does that with no challenge whatsoever. The Apostle says that that actually happens for a reason, a, a really bad reason. He writes that the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. So according to the Bible, when you and I were born, this fatal venom was coursing through our veins already then where we were born inclined to not only sin against others but even to sin against God and to die as a result of that. You know, the, the, the Bible's very first chapter, first chapters I should say, God gave a command about a, about a tree in a garden and said, you must not eat of it or you will surely die. And his first people knew that. If we eat of this tree, the woman repeated, God says we will die. And of course, the devil lies to her and deceives her. And she eats from the tree. She disobeys God. She sins. And her husband sins as well. And the consequence for both of them is they die. That Mr. Death pays them a visit. The apostle explains that The sting of death is sin, not only in what they did, but in what you do, what I do. God gives commands to, to do this, and we don't do it. And we're stung by sin and the consequence of that. God says, leave that alone, don't touch there, that, don't go there, and we, we go there. And we suffer the consequences. Stung by greed, stung by dishonest words, stung by the stupid notion that we can, we can make it on our own, stung by this, this idea that if we ignore God, he'll be there when we need him, but we can continue to ignore him and somehow practice that way of life. And it's not as though that has no basis in reality. Paul, that second line says, the power of sin is the law. Commandments written in the Bible, you've learned them. The do's and the do nots, that, that has some power to it. The, the commands of God that are written in our hearts and voiced in our conscience where we realize by doing that, by having said that, by having thought those thoughts, I not only offend my God, but I am so guilty he, he should rightly put me to eternal death. Our God, who observed that, was not satisfied just to stand in the front window sipping his coffee while the bully known as death was terrorizing the neighborhood. Our God didn't 
putter around in his front yard with, a head, with his head down while, while Mr. Death was beating up his children, he carried out a plan. We've been selling that, celebrating that for a number of weeks. He sent his son to go right into the bully's neighborhood. The bully balled up his, his mighty fists as his, as his sidekick kick through, through one temptation after another at God's son Jesus. Didn't land a single blow. The bully breathed out his, 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 his threats and snarled as his allies arrested his son, abused him, beat his body, terrorized his soul. And then finally, it seems the finally, right? The Son of God laid down his life on the cross. Kind of imagine how that might have of, of looked from the perspective of Mr. Bully, Mr. Death. He's finally dead. Two of Jesus' few remaining friends take his body down from the cross. They anoint his body with spices. They quickly wrap his body in a, in a shroud, lay it in a tomb, roll the stone. And Mr. Death is, is, is striking his pose. Mr. Death is flexing his muscle as if to say, now nobody can stop me. And yet you and I are here this morning because... Someone has stopped him. On the third day, what a great phrase. On the third day, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave, burst forth. On the third day, he showed himself alive to the women mentioned in the passage, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other, others with them. On the third day, in the evening, remember this, he showed himself alive to the, those he was going to send out as apostles, though they never expected to see him. On the third day, he beat the daylights out of Mr. Death, on the third day, he crushed him, swallowed him up in his victory so that Mr. Death kind of just goes limping away. He's got no sting. His punch has been weakened. His voice, tough as it once sounded, is overwhelmed by the voice of the angel who said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Jeering the person who is lost is considered bad sportsmanship. Mocking the loser is considered bad form. <coughs> Taunting Mr. Death? Go ahead. Put all those stupid superstitions about death and dying aside, Jesus rose. Put all those fears that keep creeping their way into your thought process away, your Redeemer lives. He conquered death, he crushed him, so that now you and I can say with the Apostle, Mr. Death, where's your victory? Mr. Death, where's your sting? God gives us the victory. God gives us the victory through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Now that the bully's been defeated, how bold can we be? How about this bold? Bold that we're not going to speak about death in hushed tones as though we don't want to wake him up. Bold enough that we're not going to avoid the subject of death as if, oh no, you don't want to push your luck. We want to speak about death and resurrection as boldly as Christ's writers do. We want to speak about death to our children and tell them what happens when a believer dies, not on the basis of popular culture, but on the basis of Scripture. That the child of God dies, we can tell this to our children, the body is laid in a grave, but on the last day, the Lord comes and the trumpet sounds. Could we explain this to those who are older, those who are in between, that what the apostle says is perfectly clear how we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for the perishable this must be clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality now that the bully has been beaten up how bold can we be bold enough to stop using words that in expressions that confuse the issue Grandpa passed away a number of years ago. We hear ourselves saying that. Grandma passed away a few years after that. Grandma and Grandpa did not pass away. For goodness sake, in the words of the apostle in another letter, Grandma and Grandpa, through faith in their Savior, have finished the race and now they're waiting for the prize. Their bodies were laid in the grave awaiting the resurrection. In the meantime, the angels have escorted their souls to the side of their Savior where they are at rest, where they are at peace, looking forward to that final resurrection and the final awarding of the prize. Now that the bully has been swallowed up, how bold can we be? So bold that when a loved one dies, through our grieving we will sing hymns. Through our tears we will read scripture to one another. So bold that as we plan our own funeral, memorial service, celebration of life, we're planning that this is not going to be about us. It's not going to be about the, the wonderful life we lived. It's going to be about the life we were given in Jesus Christ, which is far more wonderful than that. How bold can we be now that the bully has been beaten up? How about actually planning that the funeral will be at church? 
where those who grieve their loss have right before them the baptismal font, the, a modest one, one more, more, more ornate than this, that speaks to the new birth that God gave through Christ Jesus. Where, where those who grieve can see the altar, where time after time in your lifetime, the Lord Jesus gave you his body and blood and bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins and the assurance of eternal life. How about an at-church funeral where the cross is front and center and Christ gave his once-for-all sacrifice to reconcile you and every sinner to God? How about we talk to one another about the memorial service, pick the hymns, pick the readings, write this all down, that this is going to be in God's house where resurrection can be proclaimed. Now that the bully has been beat up, now that he's been crushed, how bold can we be? There's a tradition that has been occurring at a church in Winston-Salem for over 200 years. Maybe you've heard of it. Easter Sunday morning before the sun rises, the worshipers gather in front of what was at the time the village church. They gather in the square. Two brass bands, a hundred pieces each, have been playing Easter hymns. They start at midnight. There's two bands so they can take turns and play all night long. Then the first glimmer of light softens the darkness and a hush falls over the gathered believers. The pastor steps out from the church and in a clear voice, he says, are you ready? He says, Christ is risen. And they all say, he is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now the bands keep playing and now they're singing Easter hymns. And during the service, as part of the worship, they all go down the hill behind the church to what, called, what is called God's Acre. There are several thousand tombstones in God's Acre. They've been spiffed up a little bit on Good Friday, decorated with whatever is blooming at the time. And the worship service continues as God's people stand among the gravestones, singing hymns, taunting death among the tombs, and recognizing our Lord has risen, so also will these, so also will we. I mentioned a name to you earlier, Mike King, the neighborhood bully. That's his real name. Normally in circumstances like this, the names are changed to protect the innocent, but there's nothing innocent about a neighborhood bully. I, I hope for his sake he's grown up and adopted a, a gentle, humble, humble Christian way of life, but I'm still not sure I'd want to meet him again. Old fears die hard. But the fear of death, even the fear of dying, the fear of the grave, I'm glad of what the Lord has assured me in, in Scripture, that that bully, that stronger, meaner, nastier bully, has been absolutely obliterated. And now with his apostle, I can boldly say, 
Where, O death, is your victory? And now with you I can say, Where, O death, is your sting? Because God has given us the victory through our risen Lord Jesus Christ. I know you're ready to say it again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.